You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. David Waters here with Gators Breakdown with another edition of Championship Rewind, this time 2008 version. Gators win their third national championship. 2008, it was a season with some high expectations, a disappointing 2007 after winning the national championship in 2006, but 2008, some high expectations. Even with a down 2007, Florida has some high expectations in 2008. He had Heisman Trophy winner Tim Tebow returning, roster filled with future NFL talent, a talented, maybe one of the best players in Florida history, Percy Harvin. Uh, Florida was a, a still a popular pick to win the SEC, still a popular pick to win the national championship, and they did. I remember going into that season in 2008, everybody was picking Georgia to win the national championship. Florida comes out at the end of that season with their third national championship, one loss in the regular season, uh, to Ole Miss, of course. Uh, but once again, just like 2006, going against a Heisman Trophy winner, Sam Bradford, Oklahoma, rolls into Miami. Florida shuts down that offense for their third national championship. Take Casey. Brandon James joins me on this edition of Championship Rewind for the 2008 national championship. 2008, kind of much of the same storyline in a way. You're going against the Heisman Trophy winner and Sam Bradford this time in an Oklahoma offense going over 50 points a game. How much was made in this game going against a, a, an offense <laughs> that could not be stopped? I'm a junior at that point, one of the leaders on the team. That point being, what, three years in with Coach Meyer, supreme confidence. You know what I mean? Like, even though we had a slip up during that year, supreme confidence going into the game, we weren't, you know, of course we had respect for them. We knew what they brought to the table, but we just couldn't see a situation where we would lose. Um, and so going into the game, that was our mindset. All bowl practice, that was our mindset. Um, so, you know, we approached the game that way. We were very blessed to be – the team that nobody really – they didn't count us out, but they also didn't put too much faith um, put too much faith in us. But I think that in the same sense, the 06 team was the grit, the hard nose, the blue collar. The, o, the 08 team was Hollywood. It, it was – man, they we – were, we were primed for the, show, the show, show spotlight. That was what we lived for. And I think when you look at that team – and just the mentality that we carried around with us, it, it was almost less of a chip on our shoulder and more of a, you better recognize, because um, we're not we're not here to let anybody off. Our, our biggest thing, we came for the, sh- for the spotlight. 
and we're ready for it. One of those moments uh, of getting back to there, back there uh, after Ole Miss loss, of course, and in, in the famous Tebow promise speech, and you know, the Gators went on a tear the rest of the season. The games wasn't close up until the SEC championship game against Alabama that year. Uh, just a quick uh, a description of you know refocusing after that loss and what it took for you guys to get back to the uh, the ultimate spot. It stung a little more with the Ole Miss game because it was at home to a to a team that we knew was lesser opponent. To be quite honest with you, it's not not really a knock on Ole Miss. We just they shouldn't have should have won that game. When you go back and watch that film, there wasn't really anything spectacular about the Ole Miss game. Very vanilla, um, but but you know a handful of plays. Uh, a block extra point that sends mm-hmm. the game into overtime at worst. Uh, that's something so routine uh, that should never happen. Uh, it, it, honestly, it's just attention to detail and, and the small things that you take, you know, with a grain of salt and move on. But uh, on the other hand, you also probably wouldn't have made it to the national championship game without taking that, that blow to the stomach. So for us, I think we needed that. It kind of humbled us a little bit and got us right back on track. I think Tebow did a good job with his speech, but I think in the locker room, you have so many different leaders on that team to where everyone kind of just took it upon themselves to kind of lead their group and their position, their position uh, group. And, uh, you know, when we came back, because we always had walkthrough slash kind of like a seven on seven on Sundays. Coming back that Sunday, we, everyone just refocused. And you could tell the team was different after the loss because uh, we knew we felt like we should have been undefeated that year. We felt like we we're the best team in the nation. And to lose to Ole Miss, you know, that just, you know, everyone felt felt like they let each other down. So, you know, that, that on that Sunday, you could just tell all the focus was different with everybody. You know what I mean? And, again, I think Tebow did a good job of letting the media know how everybody felt. But each group had their own set of leaders to kind of push uh, everyone coming into the next week. Honestly, it hurt. I can't, there, there's only a handful of times that I could honestly say it hurt. I mean, I mean, it hurt because we knew exactly – what a perfect season meant to us. I think we knew what kind of team we were and we knew exactly what we were shooting for. Uh, and I think very similar to how 2009 really struck Tim in the Alabama game and the SC, SC championship game, you know, when an opportunity slips away, uh, you know, obviously when a loss is behind you, there's nothing you can do about it. You got to move on to the next. It doesn't take the sting away. Um, there's some games you lose in college football that you honestly walk away and go, man, we, we played terrible. We played bad the whole game, you know, not much you can do about it. That was our, that was one of our worst days. That game probably sat in my stomach for two weeks, even preparing for the next, mm-hmm. knowing that there was no reason we should have lost that game. Um, and I think that that's what hurt the most, but I, I'd agree with Brandon. I don't think had Tim given the speech or not, it wasn't going to change the way that that team approached the week after or approached the rest of the season. You know, we've been there before for a team that faced a lot of adversity throughout the year, um, for a team that, that personally had players that were facing adversity week by week. And, and you, you know, those are your brothers. You, you obviously understand and relate, and, you, and you're trying to cope through stuff together. Uh, for us, I don't think that that was going to really be uh, too much of a hurdle. Is there a sense that since Sam Bradford was the Heisman winner that you guys want to go out there and prove that maybe Tebow should have been the Heisman winner or did did him winning the uh, of course playing against for the defense anyway him playing against another Heisman winner was a was a motivating factor but you know a lot of people still felt that Tim Tebow should have been the Heisman winner in 2008 after he won in 2007 I can tell you I was one of them 
uh, you know, watching the Heisman, watching the Heisman ceremonies and everything that year was was pretty disappointing considering the season that he had and, and what we were going through as a team. But, you know, I, I think it was the mentality. And, and everybody says, man, those six and 08 teams were so good. Um, he had so much talent. You know, he had so much skill. He had so much speed. And, and you had Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen. And, and that's great. Uh, Obviously, they're not wrong, but at the same time, I, I think if you separated all that and you literally just peeked behind the curtains and saw the mindset of a football team and how they prepared every single day, whether it's the season or the offseason, the thing about all those teams w- was their mentality, the mental toughness aspect. And I can't tell you how much money I would pay Mick Barati if if I was a you know an athletic director. You know, I'm telling you right now, for what he does – from a mental toughness aspect and builds a team, him and Matt Bayless and his staff, those two years, you know, from 05 to, to 9, 10, they deserve some of the biggest credit for what we accomplished as a football team on the field. I actually think Percy should have been uh, in, in the, in the runnings for it. Um, I uh, all respect to Tebow. He did a great job both years, but there's no way Percy Harvin, what he did uh, in 08, he shouldn't have been some kind of way, in the runnings, you know what I mean? Not even a candidate. So I can't really, on statistics, I can't really speak on him, Tim, statistics, and Sam's, but I know what Percy did that year. <laughs> so I think uh, I'll speak, but be an advocate for him and say he should at least be the candidate. Now, this one's a little bit different. You're playing in Miami against Oklahoma. Was there, could you guys sense the crowd difference going? You compare, you try and compare national championship games. And, and two years before that, as we, as we talked about, you had a heavy Ohio State crowd. Well, this one, this time you're playing in Miami. Gator fans didn't have to travel as far. The, the, the stadium was a lot of orange and blue uh, this time. Was that uh, something you guys noticed or was it just kind of business as usual? Not really. I, I wouldn't say in those bowl games, not really. Um, again, when you're in a bowl game, that's all the motivation you need. I don't, I mean, we could have been playing in Oklahoma, and I think we would have still been just as motivated. We would have been just as riled up. Um, that kind of would have probably made it better. You know what I mean? We wouldn't have been as lax, you know, as comfortable during the week. Um, so I don't think it really plays a big part. I mean, it helps, you know, when you hear, you know, all the Gator gator love you're getting from the from the crowd. But at the same time, I don't think it played that big of a part. No, I think, like I said, that 08 team lived for the spotlight. Uh, we knew exactly we, we knew exactly who was going to show up to that game in full force. So, you know, the, the, the Gator Nation was with us that night. I think we, we not only carried a lot of swag into that game, but probably for the first time of hearing about an opponent that, you know, could put us out of the, out of the race, uh, I think we did actually carry a chip, you know, on our shoulder that game. You're coming off an Alabama win uh, against an Alabama team that could have easily probably won the national championship that year. Um, so for us, I think we didn't hear a lot about, Hey, Florida's really the team to beat. We didn't hear a lot about how good Florida was. We heard a lot about this explosive offense with Oklahoma. And and I think for us, it was like, did anybody watch the SEC championship game last week when, when we played Alabama? Because if you wanted to see a title, you know, heavyweight fight, that was it. Um, and so for us, I think the biggest thing was to come out and when the lights turned on, man, we were ready to go. Well, we weren't sure going into that game when the lights turned on if Percy Harvin was going to be out there. Uh, wasn't 100%. He had that FSU game where he got hurt, uh, suffered an injury there versus the Seminoles. Um, how much did preparation change in, into that game, not knowing if Percy was going to be available or not? And how, in your mind, how close to 100% was he going into that game? 
Uh, you know, for me and, and everybody on our team, I think nothing really changed in the preparation on our end, you know, because you, you, you can't really control whether a player is going to be able to go or not. And I think that you've got to find whatever the game plan is going to be. And you, you probably have one with him, one without him. But you approach the game no matter what the way you have to. And that means your focus is full pledge on the game plan. Your preparation has to be on point and you can't really stray from that. Now I will say that, that nobody really knows the backstory to Percy during the, the, you know, from about the SEC championship game to the national championship game, just how much effort and work that he put in personal time that the strength staff and the training staff put in to get him ready to go. But I know he stayed on campus um, Christmas vacation, Christmas break, and all that. He was on campus working out and getting ready to go for that game. And I think the biggest thing that, that us as teammates look at that, he was doing everything he had to do to make sure he didn't let his brothers down. Um, and, and there's a lot of people who don't really understand, you know, what that takes, what kind of mindset that takes, but that was the mentality of every single person on that team. If there was a guy down, he'd do everything he could to get back on that field to make sure he didn't leave a gap uh, to cover in the rest of that game. I think he was around 75, 80. And, what it, and again, that's why I said uh, for him not even be a candidate, I've seen him do some things like he didn't practice at all leading up to that national title game. It was strictly rehab and just getting the ankle ready to go. But he didn't take practice with us probably at all. And then, I mean, you've seen what he did in the national title game. Mm -hmm. So, um, And we've seen him do it in the NFL where he didn't hardly any practice and gets out there uh, almost as the MVP of the uh, Super Bowl. So, I mean – He's a special athlete, man. He's probably easily, I could probably say, you know, even after playing in the NFL for a year and going to Canada, probably the best player I've ever played with and seen with my own two eyes because he's just able to do some things other people can't do. Um, so, yeah, he's probably about 80% though. Well, I'm sure the juices were already flowing, but if they weren't flowing, first Oklahoma drive, <laughs> throw it down the sideline. There's a huge hit, major right on an Oklahoma wide receiver down the sideline. Um, we've joked about it on social media before. There's something we, we could see. Take Casey, uh, <laughs> making sure the Oklahoma wide receiver uh, lets lets him know that uh, he, he's over there by some Gators, and, and and he just got his bell rung. So what did that hit do for you guys? Much kind of like the Earl Everett hit a couple years before that. But what did that hit do for you guys? And if you can, what did you say? Ball was in the air, and, and it's almost like you're a, you're an outfielder going back towards the wall. You're kind of looking at two places at once. You know, you're looking at the ball, but you're looking down. You're looking at the ball back at the wall. I, I'm looking at the ball, looking at Major, looking at the ball, and looking at Major, and I'm going, "Oh, this is about to be an explosion." <laughs> and uh, and I think you know probably as the ball's descending down, I, I kind of start my uh, oh, you know, happens right in front of you, and, and you, you know you gotta give it to him. I mean, the guy's right on the sideline. You're gonna you're gonna give him an earful and make sure he doesn't uh, he doesn't forget that one for the rest of the game. You you've got to appreciate, you know, good good defensive play. You're you're hard pressed to find those once in a decade, you know, once in a once in an era type safety that can make those kind of plays. And Reggie Nelson was the first that I played with. Uh, I, I think really. Major Wright kind of became that second and a different type of player, you know, a different type of skill set. But uh, it just whispering a few sweet nothings, you know, it wasn't wasn't much. I was just letting him make sure make sure he knew uh, that the safety wasn't going anywhere in the next three quarters. So for us, it, it, it is something that gets you fired up. You know, back back then you could make those kind of hits, and as a safety, you know, I imagine you you maybe live for forty years to hit. 
one person like that, you know, uh, and, and Major lined him up on the first drive. So for us, I think that really set the tone for the defense and, and the defense played about as good as you could have played all night. Um, and when you look at Ahmad Black and Joe Hayden and those guys, Janoris Jenkins, how they played and how they responded to it as a defensive unit, I mean, it, it was lights out for the rest of the night. Talking about a tone setter, man. And, uh, I, you know, again, I think he had – our defense had all their receivers and backs on edge after that play. You know what I mean? Our, crowd, our uh, sideline erupted and went crazy. Guys were almost on the field. I remember coaches having to hold guys back because we were trying to talk to the kid that was laying, the gra- laying on the ground. But, uh, again, they're talking about a big tone setter. Well, surprisingly, um, Tebow struggles early in the game. Two turnovers are early. Offense, Both offenses can't really get going. Any worry for you guys of uh, of some early struggles by Tebow? No, I mean, again, you're talking about a team that was has supreme confidence. So we knew, especially when the defense is just stopping them, stopping them, they're not putting up any points, and they were high-powered all year. So we're turning the ball over, but they're not really capitalizing on it. You know, it's just one of those things where we knew if we could just get it rolling in the right direction, we'd be fine. And, you know, you never worry about Tim because he has supreme confidence. He knows he's just a play away from uh, making a special play. So you're not worried about him getting down on himself or anything like that. We're just, you know, just staying to course and, uh, you know, trying to execute the next play. No, you know, from o, from 06 to 08, you know, 05, I think we had a few games where menta- mentally you'd be on the sideline and, you know, I can recall Alabama would be a prime example. Mm. You know, Tyrone Prother went down to Alabama game, that, that, that memorable game in Tuscaloosa for – for me as a player and for a lot of guys that, that probably were at that game playing, uh, the mental toughness I knew wasn't quite there um, as a team. But I think about halfway through that game, you don't check out of the game, but but mentally you're sitting there going, man, we're just, we're getting we're getting beat. You know, I'm not saying we're out of it, but you get about the third quarter, early fourth quarter, you start questioning and doubting a little bit as a team. After the 06 season started, until I graduated after the Oklahoma game, um, didn't have that once. And I think that, that that was really the championship level mentality we had that set in in the 06 offseason. And so, you know, going into halftime of that Miami game, or I mean, the championship game in Miami, the OU game, you know, there wasn't a, a shred of doubt that, that we, we had that game if we did what we needed to do. Obviously, you had turnovers. You had a couple couple drives that we gave up some stuff on the defensive side of the ball, but the defense also had a couple stout stout uh, performances in the first half. For us as an offense, I think we really took it upon ourselves at halftime that we got to step our game up. And the defense was doing exactly what they needed to do to give us an opportunity to win the game. We just needed to really step it up. And Tim, you know, Tim came in fired up, and he was like, "Listen, no, no more, right." Part of that's on me. We know what we got to do. No more. We're going out in the second half. We got to get this done, and that, that's exactly what we did. Hey, right before that, as you said, right before halftime, the defense had its second of goal line stands uh, yeah. in that first half. I go back and you know, to me, you know, going back at being at the game and and um, and going back and watching those games as well. I think that that was the moment right there when we knew Oklahoma could score points all over the field, but they couldn't score them right there. It was at that point right there where you probably knew, right, no matter what happened, Florida was in good shape because of those two goal line stands. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, when you look at those you know, goal line stands and the DJ, you know, 
when you look at Brandon Spikes in that front seven, right, with Torrey Davis and, and Carlos Dunlap and some of the guys you had on that front seven, we had some great players. Um, I, I think that OU honestly started second guess how good they were as a passing team um, because, you know, Bradford wasn't really threading the needle. You had Jermaine Gresham. You had a lot of good, capable receivers in the red zone for OU, and, and they couldn't they couldn't get anything done. I think for us as, a, as an offense, looking at it going – all right, man, defense came to play. We, we got to find a way to get our stuff together. And, and I remember Steve Adazio, John Havasey, really kind of grouping us up as a front, you know, front line and tight ends and, and even receivers and saying, listen, we've got to be absolutely flawless and play our game. The biggest thing we're not doing right now is executing the game plan. And so I think once we got that under control, there wasn't much to it. It's just a matter of going out against a really good team and a really good defense and getting it done. Our defense that year. I'm telling you, I, th- I thought it was special that we were able to even hold them down how we did. I mean, because you hear so much leading to that game, the fast break offense. I remember preparing that week. We had to line up two offenses for the defense to make it, you know, game game light so they could see the speed and how quick they get back to the line of scrimmage and all that good stuff there. And I think our defense and uh, the way Coach Strong prepared them, they handled it perfect. We'll focus on the defense uh, just a bit more, too. Brandon Spikes, just talk about the leader, the kind of leader he was uh, on that side of the ball. Had some big plays during the season, right? LSU touchdown return uh, in, in that game. But he just kind of seemed to be the the, the linchpin of, as you said, uh, the Hollywood guy. He's got, just kind of seemed to be the linchpin, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Me and Spikes were super close, still are super close. We talk a lot. He was the one that called me about my Hall of Fame stuff. And uh, so we talk a lot. So, you know, to me, he's just big, big teddy bear, uh, you know what I mean? But on the field, man, I remember vividly practices where we had the coach Meyer had to pretty much stop practice because he wouldn't stop hitting Tebow. He got so upset. It was a competitive drill where he felt like coach Meyer was cheap for the offense. So we, he wouldn't stop hitting Tebow or, you know what I mean? There's times where he's just laying guys out. I mean, and you know that he would literally have to either be taken out or we would have to stop practice sometimes because I mean, that's how physical he really was. And, uh, you know, he's just a monster, man. I remember one time I had to blitz pick up, me and him. And he would always, we call it brother-in-law in football. If we're cool, we kind of take it easy on each other, especially on your own team. Well, one time I had to pick him up, and he had, this was a day where he had blanked out. And, I mean, he ran through me. And after the play, I'm like, man, what's going on? He's like, man, I, you know, I blanked out. I forgot it was you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, those are the stories, man, where, like, dude, you do not want to step in front of him because uh, he's a Mack truck, man, I'm telling you. You get those guys in college football all the time. I think the difference is you, you you have a hard time finding the ones that can do that and back it up with with solid play every single game. And uh, and Brandon Spikes from from a leadership standpoint, like I say, he, he demanded that everybody lived up to that expectation on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, it makes it a lot easier too when you've got guys like Carlos Dunlap and and Justin Trotto and those guys up front. Uh, but he did he did a hell of a job as a leader, and he was one of those guys who was fearless. And and you'd be You'd be hard pressed to find a middle linebacker that, you know, 240, 245, that can carry through a hole and blow up a 320 pound offensive lineman off his feet. And, uh, you know, I can tell you he did it in practice. Yeah, it wasn't just in games. I mean, he did that and he practiced that way. And there's a reason he played as good as he did on Saturdays. I'm telling you, Spikes is one of those guys where you hear about guys in the NFL who are kind of like super competitive and you see like guys talking trash on the sideline, like, He's like that 24-7. He's an ultimate competitor. You want him on your team. I'm talking about – I mean, some of the st- things that he's, he's done is noted you mean, from the Georgia incident, um, just how super – I mean, and to me, none of that is, you know, 
outrageous because this football is what we grew up on. That's how he grew up, and that's just how he played the game. He wanted to get the advantage. He wanted to taunt guys if he had to, if he thought it would intimidate him. Anything he could do to have the advantage, um, he was all for it. And I think a lot of teams were scared of him. <laughs> I think probably the biggest surprise for that 08 team, of course, the 07 defense kind of took a step back. Uh, but, you know, some young guys, Joe Hayden, who made the conversion to cornerback, you know, didn't play that position. And then Jordan Norris Jenkins, who's a freshman out there making plays, and they're making they're going against this high-powered Oklahoma offense, but those guys are out there holding their own. Well, Janoris, man, I'm going to speak on him first because to be a freshman and play the way he played all year was just special. I remember him coming in, and I remember us being – being uh, we're doing one-on-ones in practice. He would always tell me and Percy to get up. And because he wanted to go against smaller, quicker guys, we felt like he couldn't really handle it. You know what I mean? But that was special to me in itself because normally freshmen are just kind of like, you know, passive and taking things as they, as they come. And he was calling guys out. Hey, no, I want Percy. I want Brandon. You know what I mean? Um, and that was, you know, again, to, for him to be a freshman, he played the way he played all year. That was just, I mean, it showed how big Pahokee ball was. <laughs> Joe came in as a receiver, really. And to learn the uh, defensive back uh, the, to play DB the way he did, and um, him hold down hold down his side the way he did for three years, man, it just shows. I mean, it's showing now he's still playing in the NFL, but it shows the type of athlete and competitor he was. Because again, I remember when Joe came in; he was playing offense at first, switching the defense, was kind of was kind of grasping it, but struggling. Then you snap your fingers, and the next year he's you know a starter for a national championship team. So um, all those guys, man, were supreme athletes. It's really, really special player. I'm pretty sure Joe Hayden's glad with that decision. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> he's st- still playing in the league right now. So he, he's uh, he's had a good couple paydays. But uh, I don't know if, if we will – I don't want to say – I doubt we'll ever see anybody play the cornerback position as good pound for pound. But pound for pound as a defensive player, Joe Hayden is the best I've been around. Um, and, and Reggie Nelson is probably right there with him. But, I mean, Joe Hayden, pound for pound, is probably one of the strongest um, strongest skill set player that I've ever seen. Um, he still plays that way in the NFL today. But, man, he, he shows up and he shows up for the spotlight. Janoris Jenkins, very similar. Uh, the swagger and just the, the, the complete attitude they play with. It's fearless, and I think that that's one thing that the 08 defense had. They they had that tenacity. You know, they had that fearless mentality that there wasn't anybody you could put in front of them that that was going to, you know, throw a hitch in the game plan. So, you know, when, when you look at the defensive staff, the game plan was always on cue, and you had the players to back it up. Probably one of the more images that sit in my head is just how big Sam Bradford's eyes get when Ahmad Black makes that late interception where <laughs> it looks like it's almost maybe going to be an incomplete pass, but uh, by the time both players get up, somehow Ahmad Black rips the ball away from the offensive player, and and, you know, and that kind of just sets up Florida uh, that, to go on and win the national championship. But that uh, that interception was uh, just kind of out, out of nowhere, and, out, and, and it's so funny to see how Sam Bradford couldn't even believe that it had happened. Ahmad, man, I, he's another guy that I've seen go through a lot, and I know it was special for him and it was special for me seeing him because I remember he was like at the bottom of the totem pole out of all the Lakeland guys that came in and for him again to snap his fingers and then you know he's a starter at safety having you know the most picks out of all those guys and all that stuff there man it just shows that a lot of guys like myself and Amai were just you know bred off hard work you know what I mean some of the guys were highly recruited we had some guys that weren't as 
highly, highly touted. But at the same time, we all were competitive and went in the mentality that, you know, everyone could be special as long as we work. And um, I think, you know, the plays that everyone made in that game and that whole year kind of just showed. We had a ball hawk mentality on defense. You know, I think you look at the turnover, the turnover ratio in our season was was pretty phenomenal in 2008. I think 2006 was very similar too, right? A lot of, a lot of turnovers. We didn't give the ball up too much. We took care of the football. Uh, but, but yeah, that, that by Ahmad Black between, between the major right hit, the Ahmad Black interception, and then the David Nelson jump pass 2.0 um, was probably the three biggest things that resonate in your mind from that game, or at least three of the bigger ones in mine. Um, just a big, big play moments, momentum swings. Um, and, and of course, you seal it with the, with the jump pass to David Nelson puts us in a position to go out and, and hold and we're good to go. Let's go to that jump pass, of course, near and dear to your heart, the, the play itself. Uh, so go back to 06 first versus LSU. Uh, how does that play work out? It was a lot more uh, unathletic than the 08 one, I can tell you that much. But, uh, you know, a, a great moment, obviously, in a game that that we needed bad. Um, and, and every October, if you're a Florida fan, a Florida player, you know – what the schedule holds, you got, you know, you start early with Tennessee and you got to get through an early East game uh, to kind of put you on track. But then in the middle of the season, right in the heart of October, you've got to go through a gauntlet of, uh, you know, Georgia, LSU at that year in 06 was Auburn. You know, it's about four weeks in a row that we really were testing ourselves with top 10 teams. And so for us, I think uh, that 06 game, what really resonates, I think, was the game, the flow at the moment. You know, when when you you hold LSU on the goal line and get the ball back and then you come down, Reggie Nelson has some huge hits. We get the ball back on interception. You come back down the field and face a few penalties and the clock's ticking away, ticking away, ticking away. And, you know, Urban is always notorious for or Urban. I should say Urban and Dan and all offensive coaches at the time. Very notorious for pulling out the right place for the right moments. And uh, that was one of those that just. I'm not sure why it resonates so much. I think it, it's just the moment of the game and how bad we needed points on the board um, in a game where, you know, touchdowns are going to be very, very slim uh, to come by. So uh, the biggest thing for me, I think, is just the, the pause for effect moment when the ball's in the air and then the eruption. I, I think that that's why most fans that were at that game remember it so well. Um, and, and really, obviously, for me, a very great moment in my career and, and something that I'll never forget. The one in 08 to, to win the national championship. How was that? Of course, it goes to a wide receiver in David Nelson, but how was that play? How different was it? Was it the same exact play, just a different player? Uh, but go take us from 06 to 08 in the, in the jump pass. A little bit different setup, uh, you know, as opposed to fullback tight end. Had a couple of heavies with, with Javier Stopinon and a couple of guys in there to kind of decoy the, the heavy run game play. And then, of course, you have David Nelson, who, you know, came on strong at the end of that 08 season. Uh, had a lot to do with why we were in that position in the first place. Not a huge recognition type of guy, but he's always one of those attention to detail players. You know, ran crisp routes, uh, did exactly what you needed him to do, was a special teams guy, a lot of trust between the coaching staff and, and him. And so he's a perfect guy for for being the recipient of that. You know, I, I think uh, if I was play calling, I think you call it to the tight end and give me a little love in my last game. But at the same time, I can't I can't complain about, you know, throwing it to the to the other Texan out wide. And uh, for me, great moment for me, because I had a lot to do with hoping David would come to Florida 
you know, as a Texas guy and a guy that I recruited uh, on his recruiting trip to get him here. That, that was a big moment for me because I was so proud of him to have that moment in such a big, big game. 24-14 final score for Florida, Oklahoma. Was it, was it a closer and, and lower, lower scoring game than, than you guys expected? Both high-flying offenses, Florida scoring in the 40s, Oklahoma scoring in the 50s, and lo and behold, it's a 10-point win, 24-14. You know, I think for us, to, uh, knowing how good their defense was, knowing exactly what we were about, we knew it was going to be a tough game. Uh, we knew that that was going to be one of those games you had to earn one way or another. Uh, I think that their expectation was it was going to be more of a walkover on defense, seeing as they were averaging 60-plus points a game. So for us to win, we'd have to score you know, 40. But I think the defense did everything we needed them to do uh, and more. And so you know, when the defense plays lights out the way they did, it, it really puts you in a position as an offense to just try and maintain the flow of the game. Um, in the last few drives, I think we really did a good job of stretching the field out, uh, you know, taking some clock time and, and playing it the way we needed to. But, you know, I, I always tell people, it doesn't matter how you win a game. Mm. You know, you, a win's a win. Uh, and if you're playing a national championship game, it even furthers that point because you find a way to dig and claw yourself out no matter what as long as you win. And so, you know, for us, it could have been 24 to 23. We would have been just happy with that. You always think you're going to blow somebody out. So I definitely think we were confident enough to feel like if we came out and executed at a high level, that it wouldn't be close. But again, you stated earlier, we had some turnovers early. We didn't execute the way we did throughout the whole game. So I think those are things that contributed to the uh, score being a little closer than it should be. Bringing home a, a second title in three seasons, you know, how was this season, the 2008 season, this national championship? What was your thoughts after that game, living in that moment, of course, and how was it different than the 06 one? Seeing in 06 what, what the process led us to, you know, when Urban came in and, and harped on buy, the buy-in, harped on the, the mental toughness and, and how to be a championship caliber football team, we, we didn't know any better. You know, we were just hungry. We knew we were talented. We knew we had some guys who, who could, if we put it together, could play some good ball. And then we saw what that looked like. Uh, the 08 team, we knew exactly what we had. You know, we knew we had championship caliber mentality. We knew we had the players. We had everything. Um, I, I think for me, being a senior who was a redshirt senior, redshirting my senior year. So I wasn't supposed to be there in a way. You know, for me, I, I redshirted the season before and had three surgeries in about nine months. So I was just happy to, to be, you know, granted another year um, to be a part of that. Um, and so the difference, I think, for me is we knew exactly – what our identity was. Whereas in, in 06, we really didn't know any better, but you couldn't tell us that there was anybody you could put across from us that could beat us. In 08, we just knew you couldn't. Uh, and we almost challenged you to try. You're older and your stamp is really kind of on that one because again, you know, as freshmen, we're kind of just wet behind the ears, just following the lead of the seniors. And, but as a junior, you know, your seasoned vets that, you know, went through a tough year, not really knowing how to prepare for a season. Now you, go through a tough offseason, and now you're back. And the proof shows that hard work is going to get you through whatever because we know for a fact how hard it was that offseason, and it all paid off getting back to the national, uh, the national title game. And, you know, a lot of us had a lot of accolades and awards after the season. So, again, man, it just showed if you work hard, anything's possible.